No, I, I don't have time to watch shows anymore. I mean, I have a kid now. My poor dog is dying. And I, you know, when I have to watch shows, I have to watch it on my phone with <laughs> headphones on after everyone's <laughs> sleeping. Oh, that's when, that's when I watch my anime because I'm ashamed of it. Wow. <laughs> no, little headphones, but I have an iPad at least, so it's a little bit bigger. You and, you know? you and your wife are sleeping in separate beds, huh? <laughs> it's cute. Well, we, we just bought a king, so we're essentially in separate beds. But yeah, you're, we have, but you're but both I'm, queens. <laughs> 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 uh, this is going well. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Take 43 Podcast. My name is Drew Williams. And I am Aaron Colburn. <laughs> <laughs> Correction, I am Aaron Colborn. Yes. Yeah, that's what. That's right. Well, today we're doing something a little bit different. The Anatomy of a Scene, you and Dave started this when I was in the hospital and we were having our kiddo. Right. Kind of breaking it down and not just talking about you know how much we enjoyed it. We can talk about a little bit of that, but understanding what techniques or what methods were used to create certain emotions or vibes about it or whatever. Just di- diving into the filmmaking part of it just a little bit. Yeah, not necessarily talking about specific projects, but you know the actual like favorite movies. And right. this month was halfway to Halloween and we're horror freaks. At least I am. Yeah, I'm a like a half a horror freak. Okay, I'm like fifty percent horror freak. You know I am because I wear. Oh, like, I know you are. I yeah. wear like shirts with it on it, and like kids are like running for the hills when they see me. And I had like the Michael Myers shirt on and the Stranger Things shirts on. I've, I've drug your ass to Halloween Horror Nights in uh, Hollywood. And I've been to way more like horror films in the past, like what three years since we've known each other. Three years. Yeah, it's been more than that, hasn't almost it? Almost four. Yeah, four, yeah. Way more like horror movies in the theater than I ever have the rest of my life. And haunted houses and stuff. And haunted houses. I'm like, hey, Aaron, will you go to this haunted house with me? And I'm like, I guess, yeah. rolling my eyes. <laughs> We're already in Hollywood. Let's go to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. To, to be fair, that was actually a lot of fun. Dude, they're incredible. So much fun. I eat that stuff up and I, I still, I love it. And I honestly, I hope that we can go down to maybe Orlando and shoot for mm-hmm. Garden of Life again. Oh, and yeah. then in 2018, I actually branched off after that shoot after you guys went home and I okay, actually yeah, went, you bounced and I bounced like, in with Universal Studios Orlando and went and did the, the Halloween Horror Nights thing by myself because it's incredible I, w- I would love to do that actually I mean I've, I've always been a, a pretty big horror fan I mean I, in you know junior high I was like not allowed you know my parents specifically said you can't watch Friday the 13th you can't watch Nightmare on Elm Street so of course what I did oh, is I made sure to watch those. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good, never mind. I remember Take going over to my buddy's house and watching through, I think at the time there was like five or six Nightmare on Elm Streets. It's like and the 70s or something for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember watching through all like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and and over my other buddy's house, watching all the Friday the 13th movies. Like, I love horror. I really do. I yep. don't watch as much of it now as I used to. Um, but horror is one of those really cool genres that there's a certain kind of filmmaking that needs to be done where it's not necessarily always about, this is a whole like film, like film dork thesis Go for right it, now. Man, I love it. A whole, uh, it's kind of like Westerns and sci-fi where a lot of times the ideas at the center of it, they're about something other than the horror film, uh, different things like the shining is one we're going to talk about, which, uh, you know, can talk a lot about like domestic abuse and stuff like that. And we'll get into that. Right. Um, but I just, I, I love the horror genre and I'm excited to talk through some of this stuff. Yeah. Not sure where you were going with that, but, uh, this is the, okay. Ana- <laughs> Check please. <laughs> this is the anatomy of a scene halfway to Halloween. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. Aaron, why don't you go ahead and start this thing off? I see your notes here. I'm pretty excited to talk about this first one with you. Yeah, so I watched recently. I haven't seen this movie 
since it first came out in theaters in 2004. I watched the original Saw. Uh, in theaters? I remember seeing it in theaters. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Because at the time, I think it was, I mean, it wasn't a Sundance movie, but it was one of those ones that had a little bit of buzz from being like this uh, like low budget, but very clever movie, not knowing that it was going to spawn like this long franchise of, of slasher films, basically. But the original Saw... Was that like 2004? It's 2004, yeah. But it, it very much feels like a product of 2004. Part of it is the cast. Uh, but before I talk about the cast, the filmmakers, so James Wan was the director, went on to direct you know, Insidious. He did Ooh. a Fast and Furious movie, did Aquaman. Dude, Insidious was sick. I, you know, I know I saw Insidious, um, but it's one of those ones I feel like I need to watch again. Yeah. Also, because there's like a second one. Also. There's like three or four. Oh, I there think there's many? three. I saw it in theaters. It was crazy. Go yeah. Ahead. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Uh, So, and then the writer, uh, Lee, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, Lee Wannell. Wannell? Wannell. As a filmmaker, I actually prefer him over James Wan. He did Upgrade, which was super cool. So good. And then the last movie that we saw in a theater, Invisible Man. Yeah. I think he's he's a fantastic director, and I I will watch anything that he does. So, the main thing I remembered about Saw when I put it on to watch again was Carrie Elway. Mm -hmm. Elway's. Again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm -hmm. John Elway's. (laughs) Carrie Elway's. So, I remember... The main thing I remember about this movie is that Carrie always acting is not very good. <laughs> it was as bad as he was in Liar Liar. Right. As well, the and, and as well and as good as he was in Princess Bride as sure. Dread Pirate Roberts. You know, he's a he's a he's a fun actor. He's a man in tights. But yeah, yeah. Men, men in tights. Men in tights. Uh, he's a he's a good actor. He's a fun actor, not particularly good in this because he's doing like a lot of crying and like my wife, my daughter, man. And you're just not really buying any of it. Like sure. when he's sawing off his foot, he's like, Ooh. yeah, I was like, that doesn't look like it hurts that bad. Right? Nah, he seems fine. And then he's just like, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one to escape now. Yeah. I was like, good luck walking out <laughs> right of there. On, man. Anyway. So, but it had a lot of other actors in there that I didn't remember were in there. First of all, Danny Glover, you know, yeah. from angels in the outfield. <laughs> oh yeah. Not the one I was going to, yeah. I was going to go for a lethal weapon, but I yes, figured. but yes, also angels in the outfield. There you go. Um, um, and Predator 2, uh, two, yep. two separate dudes from Lost, which, so 2004 makes a ton of sense. There'd be like Lost guys in this. Not, they're not Lost, they're from Lost. Okay. <laughs> and then also uh, Dina, oh, what is her name? Dina Meyer, maybe? She just was just crushing it with the name so far. I know, right? Yeah. Seriously, Dana Moomer. <laughs> Dina Meyer, she was in uh, Starship Troopers. Yes. And I had like, back then I had the biggest crush on her. Oh, okay. the, the thing, and this kind of melted my brain a little bit, uh, Lee Wannell, the writer and you know, the guy that went on direct invisible man, he was the other guy in the bathroom chained up with Carrie Elwood. I had no idea that was him. You know, you wrote that in the notes and I went back and watched the trailer. Cause I was I'm like, Oh my God, that is yeah. him. That's totally him. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good. And, and honestly, he did a better job than Carrie. Elway. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, everybody did. Uh, <laughs> the saw itself was better. The, the saw, like, man, the range on that saw <laughs> yeah. in that scene, just like, oh, it, it cuts through. They you cut know, through a leg and a bone. To, <laughs> they cut through bone. They try and cut through a, a steel chain. Yeah. Doesn't work. You Doesn't know? work. But he just still did good. Yeah, he did, he did, he did great. Um, <laughs> the... <laughs> But the, the the specific thing I want to talk about with this that's really interesting. So the budget uh, was around in between one and one point two million. Nobody knows exactly. It's kind of disputed, but not much, right? For a full movie. Well, what what they did that was really cool is this movie was shot entirely in one location. And before you come at me and you're like Ron. Uh, there was like shots that were in a, uh, there were scenes that were in a police station, in the doctor's home, stuff like that. Before you come at me, uh, those were all shot in the same warehouse. They just redressed yeah, the sets. That's incredible. So literally everything. Yeah, there was a, uh, there was a parking garage, a police station, hospital. Yeah, the interior of the doctor's home. And 
and, and if you're coming at me like, oh, but there are also some car scenes. Well, guess I'm what? Over here, man. Guess you what? You know, something. I'd appreciate it if you stayed off my back oh, about yeah, it. Okay. <laughs> but the car scenes were also shot in the warehouse. That's cool. And when you know that watching it and like watching it, you would think you would know just looking at it because it actually doesn't look that good. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a lot of smoke and you can tell they're shaking the cars and they speed up the footage and stuff like that. And like, it doesn't really actually look that good. Was that like can, a Burbank or a Georgia warehouse? Um, it was, so it was in LA. It's in yeah. East LA. Oh. Uh, it's very, I actually found an article about, about this specific location. It's really interesting. But then there's another scene. So there's like a car chase where they do that. But then there's another scene where there's a car that's like, it's kind of pulling up and he's dropping somebody off. And knowing that it's just being shot in a warehouse you can kind of tell when you, but some of the, the tricks they use to, to make it work is kind of interesting. So as the car's like pulling up and stopping, you can tell they're just panning over with the camera. Oh yeah. And it's like in the middle of the, they're doing a big dissolve from somebody's face into that too. So you can't really quite see the background or, or anything like, like that. Speed. Yeah. So they're, they're actually very good at kind of hiding that stuff. And I think throughout the movie, they're very good at hiding that they're just in like that kind of location, like the doctor's uh, house. It's all these brick walls. So it's still like a cool, you know, like a, it was like a loft. Yeah. Like a cool loft. Yeah. Then you look at the curtains, you can tell there's no windows behind those curtains. Right. You know, so right. there's this appearance of there being windows, but there's not actually. It's cool though, windows. because you're talking about all the different locations that were obviously shot inside the warehouse. Well, half of the footage, I mean, obviously it shows those, uh, locations in the movie, a lot of the times he's watching those locations on a TV right. in the room. Right, right. In a single yeah. room. Which should have made, probably made it pretty easy since you just have to run a, a wire from one room to the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect. It's a live feed. But what, what's cool about it, though, also, is since it's done in one location and it's done inside this warehouse that has no windows, even when there's like the appearance of windows, it gives a very claustrophobic feeling. It's very, and yeah, it's really small. It's very small. There's no, there's literally zero exterior daytime shots. I only counted one actual exterior shot at all. And it's uh, after like the car chase and they're pulling up outside to the warehouse. Yeah. But it's very, very brief and it's dark. Everything else is inside no windows. And so that, that claustrophobia uh, is really, is really effective. Uh, there's no personal space between the two actors there. And right. Everybody, everybody's in close quarters yeah. everywhere you go. Like they're in the police station. They're all in close quarters in the, in the doctor's house. They're all in close quarters. So totally. Yeah. Um, and so it, it definitely, it gives off a menacing feeling and just kind of an oppressive feeling, which is super, super cool. I basically remembered the twist at the end that, you know, the dead body that's laying in between them. Spoiler. The spoiler warning. for a 17 year old movie. <laughs> Man, that movie is 17 years old. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's my age. Yeah, I saw that with my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> my man. Uh, but so I think having the one location with that and spending almost the entire time. And actually, I remembered, I didn't remember that it ever actually left that bathroom. Uh, my recollection of it was that it all happened inside that bathroom. And so I was actually kind of surprised when I started watching it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot there's like cops, you know, looking for stuff. And it's very, uh, the movie's actually pretty really cleverly written. I think it's uh, some of the filmmaking, you know, definitely creaks. I mean, it was made only for a million dollars, but the, I, th I think the, the, the screenplay is, is pretty tight and pretty solid. And even to the point, like it's a, it's a good twist at the end, you know, you're following one guy that you think is the killer. And it turns out that the actual killer hired him and the actual killer has been laying there dead on the floor in between the two guys the entire time. And so having the one location really helps sell that twist really, really well. Cause you spent all this time with that body there where, you know, if it's a movie with multiple locations and you like had that in just the very end of the movie, it wouldn't have nearly the impact that does right. that he was there the entire time. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And what's crazy is, is they start this whole franchise in this series in this really small, tiny mm -hmm. in quotes bathroom. Right? right. 
and then it just expands from there. Yeah, and there's that makes, eight films now, and then there's a another one coming yeah, out. Yeah, like it's kind of like a month. it's kind of like a spinoff. It says it's from the Book of Saw. It's called Spiral. Chris Rock uh, actually wrote it. That's and cool. is starring in it. Yeah. And it's got Samuel Jackson in it. Yeah. And I'm excited though, because I actually have not seen any of the other Saw movies. That's crazy. Yeah. I watched that one. And then I, I think I may have seen part of the second one at some point, but I don't remember any of it. So I'm actually going to go through, I think they're all on HBO max. So I'm going to go through and cool. watch the rest of them. I don't feel, I don't imagine that any, and even as, as bad as some of the things in the original Saw are, I feel like, as a whole, I think Saw is actually a pretty great movie. I think they do a really good job. Uh, I'm not sure that any of the sequels will really live up to that. <laughs> well, I will say like the first couple of the sequels and like two and three are actually really good. And they end up talking more about the original killer and his illness. And there's, okay. a, there's a lot more story. And they expands outside of, of course, one room. It's more of like a right, uh, right. The group of people and they're, they're sacrificing things. And right. It's uh, I, I think they're cool. I do say that, you know, I was talking about maybe the first three or four. Right. Now there's eight. And I don't think I've seen all of them either. And then there was one that was in 3D. So it's just. You know, when a horror franchise goes on long enough, you have three things you have to do. You have to go 3D. Yep. You have to go to the hood. Yeah. And then you have to go to outer space. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, J- you know, Jason in the hood. That's Jason right. goes to space. Leprechaun. Uh, yeah. There's literally a leprechaun in the hood. Um. <laughs> but overall, I think Saw did a great job. Saw was cool. The, the necessity. And I think the big lesson from this is is the necessity in forming the style. And, you know, they had to, they had a small budget. They needed to do it at one location. They used that to their advantage. And I think it ended up helping the film by giving it the claustrophobic yeah. feeling. And so being wise about your locations being, you know, jump seat, honestly, probably should have tried to like <laughs> keep the locations uh, fewer, but using a single location like that uh, and using it well is just, it's smart filmmaking. Yeah. So, and you save money, save a ton of money. I mean, doing literally everything in there. Yeah. I'm sure they had their home base in there someplace, maybe in the parking lot or whatever, where, you know, nobody, there's no company moves, all their gears there and it can stay there. And they can, that means they probably cut the shoot time in half if they had actual multiple locations. Well, and then, like I said, they got to expand on the franchise mm-hmm. later. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. I go watch, if it's on HBO max, go watch it. Yeah. Go check it out. So you, and it's actually not, I know the later ones get much, much gorier. The first saw is actually not that bad in terms of gore. No. Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Hmm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus, they're never bright enough. Mm-mm, never. But one day, a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promise to solve exactly that problem. They're compact, yet powerful, and with professional-grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bicolor, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproofed, you name it, Lytra's it. That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. All right, so my turn. Yes, let's talk okay. about what are you going to talk about? I want to talk about John Cop. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing it with the names over here as well. <laughs> John Carpenter. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween is 1978. Such an incredible movie. I'm yeah. such a massive John Carpenter fan. Yes. Halloween, The Thing. Yeah. The, the Thing. Mouth, the Thing is, I, I, I almost talked about The Thing. Yeah. I'll probably want to do that on another one. In the Mouth of Madness is another one of my favorites of his. It's great. Anyway, but yeah. In, uh, so Halloween. this is specific to the intro scene. Yes. So I'm just going to break down the scene of the, the very start of this film. Dope. You have your title credits. And then you have this amazing three and a half, three minute, 45 second t- long take, mm-hmm. a POV that literally sets up an entire franchise. Yeah. And I think it invents monster cam 
It invented monster cam. It invented really just putting you in the shoes of a killer. Uh, first thing I'm going to do here. So the budget was only $325,000. Oh my gosh. At least that's according to IMDb. I believe that. Um, the gross USA 47 million. Wow. So it did very well and obviously still makes money today because there's a new one coming out this year. It's supposed to be out last year. Well, and it it essentially invented the slasher genre. It invented the slasher genre, but it was this, these first three to five minutes Mm -hmm. that literally set this entire story up. Yeah. And you were able to expand on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the very, this is right after the credits end. And I'm going to put this link in the description I'm going to go ahead and play this. It's about three minutes and at three and a half minutes or so. And I'm going to kind of walk you through it. And uh, then we're going to break it down. We are alone, aren't we? So right now it's kind of POV cam. (laughs) And he's looking through a window. Let's go upstairs. Okay. Inventing that uh, you have sex in a horror movie trophy, get killed. There you go. Invented it right there. Yep. So... That's his sister and her boyfriend. And he's looking around. When I say he, I'm referring to Michael. Yeah. Those music cues. Yeah, that's when he looks up and the light goes out on the upper floor. Exactly. Right at that moment. It's it's a very good, like, oh shit moment. He's already mad that his Mm -hmm. sister's hooking up with this guy. He's walking around to the back door now. This is all POV. This is one take. The camera has not cut yet. Listen to the music. It's, it's so good. I love John Carpenter's music. So eerie. So he's in the house now. As soon as he got inside the house, the piano starts. Really, really dark. He kicks on the light. I mean, probably the most iconic uh, uh, horror movie score. Yep. So now you see a hand go into the kitchen cabinet and grab a kitchen drawer and grabs a knife and already puts it in that psycho stabbing position well, so and, and i like that it's out of focus too it gives mm-hmm. it's much more that 70s kind of like texas chainsaw massacre like sloppy verite sort yep. of look that that makes it very like very creepy exactly walking into the front room now where they just were you see that the couch is empty so we know that his sister and the boyfriend are now upstairs oh gotta go he's already done <laughs> yeah, he's putting his shirt <laughs> like on. come was, on come on like that was barely enough time to get your clothes off that, yeah that was 45 <laughs> seconds max i mean dude doesn't waste time no you know? yeah you know <laughs> efficient he, uh, i guess so <laughs> one thing back to the arm grabbing the knife it was in a clown costume oh so yeah. you automatically know that this is a child and That's if you right. don't realize that then you will hear briefly later. So I'd now, actually forgotten that he was in a clown costume until yeah. I just watch this again. So right now he's walking up the stairs and as soon as he gets going on the stairs, the clock starts to tick. Um, this is on Halloween night, by the way. Is that his sister singing? That's his sister okay. singing. Oh yeah, she's like brushing her hair. Another right? right-handed grab. Ooh, this oh, is where yeah. things get creepy. So he just put, grabbed a mask from the floor and is walking around with a mask on. So now the camera, still with this single take, you have two eye holes. So now you're, ooh, sister is in view and through the eye holes of the mask. And for children under 18, she's naked. So make sure you have a parent or guardian with you. And it's the 70s though, so you can barely make anything out. This is true. <laughs> And and this is where things get stabby, stabby, <laughs> pointy. 
Poor sister falls over. She dead. Really, like, completely bloodless, listen, though. Listen. Do you hear him breathing? He's panting? Yes. It's a child panting. It's not an adult panting. That is scary all in itself. Yeah, it's creepy. because it's, it's a kid. Walking outside now from the front door, he is greeted by his parents in their car. <laughs> greeted is a nice way to put it. <laughs> and then you get the, then this is the first yeah. time the camera cuts, and it's this slow pull out with a knife and the parents holding the mask. And that is the intro to Halloween from 1978. Such a good scene. Yeah, and the reason I wanted to show that or so you could hear it and you can watch it is because there were so many music cues that really helped that scene out. So again, we have this super long take. It's, again, the year is 1963 on Halloween night, and police are called to, fun fact, 43 Lampkin Lane, only to discover that 15-year-old Judith Myers has been stabbed to death by her six-year-old brother, Michael. Messed up, man. That right there sets up an entire genre of film. This is the first time we get a POV intro with a mask ever, at least that I know of. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know of another one either. It's possible that it happened, but I don't really know of one. I just remember watching this when I was younger and being like, I feel dirty. Like I feel yeah. like um, I feel like I was him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there had been another movie that. Uh, to this point that had put you in the shoes of like yep. the, the bad guy, basically yeah. you're in the, uh, you're in the shoes of a murderer and cl- it closest would have been psycho probably, but you're, you, you don't spend a ton of time with Norman in that. Uh, I think this is the first one that really puts you in with the character. I mean, the, the shot of the knife going mm-hmm. up and down, cause it, it doesn't really show the sister being stabbed maybe yeah. like the first time, but then you see he's looking up and it's just a knife going across yeah. just like it did in very, psycho. very psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's a long three minute, 45 second take. This starts off the film. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's so crazy. It was like, again, the first time that I had ever seen this, I just remember feeling so weird and like, maybe I should turn this off. Well, it's for me, seventies movies give me that vibe. Like I, like I said, you know, they have a very like cinema verite, which, you know, handheld, very realistic feel. Yeah. And especially the horror movies, you know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is even, even more so mm-hmm. it's very raw and very rough. This is all very handheld. You know, it's a handheld right. film camera. He stuff's out of focus. Sure. And I think it just, it works really, really well. And it gives you just kind of like a nasty, like feeling in the pit of your stomach. Right. Like it, it feels like the stuff's happening. Well, you know, in Pixar movies, how the first five minutes of every Pixar movie sets up the entire film. Mm-hmm. This first three and a half minutes set up an entire franchise that yeah. would, it goes on until this year. I mean, they're still making films about this person. Yeah. This was his first kill. He killed his sister. It's psycho. Actually, it's Halloween. Um, <laughs> but after the first kill, he started to breathe heavy when he was walking down the stairs. And that was also really jarring because those weren't like deep, breathing pants from like a right. like a grown man they were from a child right and it was creepy it was like Ugh, this isn't how we w- this isn't how you would think this was going yeah having a, a child killer again not sure that that's something that we had seen yet yeah children of the corn was not out yet yeah so um it just builds this level of suspense with the camera work and the music cues the music cues are like anytime He's going into somewhere or going upstairs. There's different music cues when he sees his sister. Da-na-na. And yeah. the first the first time he saw his sister through the windows, da-na-na, you know. So you hear all these music cues, which is just absolutely incredible. I don't know if you've seen a photo of this, but it's a behind the scenes photo of them shooting this scene. And they did a really good job because he grabs this clown mask and kind of puts it up to frame. Yeah. Have it you happened seen? very seamlessly. Yes. And I don't I don't know how they did so it. So yeah. there was a matte box on the camera, obviously, and uh-huh. it was a hand it was a handheld camera. 
and there's just a white sheet that is literally clipped on to the mat box Mm -hmm. and it has two eye holes through it. And as soon as he put that mask up over the camera, he flipped the white sheet down. Okay, so it just comes from the top. Just, yeah, it's right it's, over the map box. It's very seamless, yeah. yeah. So did a really good job. It's just so simple, though, but it's so effective. Right, so simple. The, and the other thing I like, you're talking about the music cues. Do you, do you know that John Carpenter, like, yeah. writes his own Absolutely. scores and stuff like that? It's so cool. Like, what, yeah. a, what, a, what a talented dude. And you can tell when it's a John Carpenter. Oh, yeah. I love John Carpenter's, like, super synthy stuff in the 80s, too. Yeah. It's so dope. <laughs> yeah, so this, again, right at the end, the only camera breakaway we have here is right when he's holding the knife and his mask is ripped off mm-hmm. and the dad's like michael by the way the audio in the 70s movies were so bad oh so bad it's yeah, just it's like wah, wah, and, you know yeah. it's like what are you saying um but right then he's institutionalized to a mental hospital and then um you know you get uh the rest of the movie takes place years later after he's right. released right mid mid 70s right yeah exactly yeah. so it was 63 and then it was mid seventies after, I don't know if it was, you know, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not sure how old he's supposed to be in I'm not the sure first either. movie. I'm guessing like late teens, early twenties or something like that. Cause he's pretty big. Yeah. Like yeah. a scrawny little kid at the beginning. He's like yeah. Kind of a big and he's dude. like, yeah. well, yeah, he was in mental Institute, probably just doing We're working out chin ups on the bunk bed or whatever <laughs> you right, do. Like Linda Hamilton and Terminator two. <laughs> exactly. You know, you get bored in there. Right. What are you going to do besides work out? Exactly. Just be crazy. That's pretty much all I got for that. It's just, it's super effective. It's done very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long take, which I love. I'm a huge part of. And again, uh, I've said this a hundred times now, but it invented a franchise within the first mm-hmm. three minutes of a film. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's just incredible. Uh, fun fact, Halloween four was shot right here in Salt Lake city. That's so I had no idea. I'm gonna have to go look that up and see like kind yeah. of the locations were there are so many halloween films now like rob zombie tried to do a couple and you can tell why with the whole clown thing the uh, of course kids wearing the clown outfit of course rob zombie's gonna love that yeah and you know what uh, the michael myers mask actually is right isn't it it's an inside out ronald reagan mask no or it's a it's a spock mask oh it's a spock mask yeah okay it's uh at least oh, no no it's it's an inside out william shatner mask that's it yeah yeah, yeah that's right that's what it is yeah yep. so so interesting yeah, yeah it's like huh all right that was easy I mean, yeah, so The Shining, that's that's what I'm going to talk about next. Uh, Do you want to walk through this real quick? Yeah, let's, well, actually, let's, um, I want to talk about a, a few things first, and then we're going to play a small clip from a specific scene, but there's a few things I want to talk about first, because, I mean, there's a million things, you know, uh, like, I'm hardly the first person to, you know, d- dissect The Shining, I mean, there's documentaries with, about all, like, the weird clues in it, and, like, the production was super interesting and strange, like, there's a million things you can talk about with The Shining. Um, sure, I sure, actually, sure. Yeah, I, I actually want to specifically talk about, uh, how Stanley Kubrick was a crazy person when it came to getting his performances out of his, his actors. I mean, he, Dude, yeah, a little, a little over the top, to be honest. Um, I mean, he was, he was known for, I think Shelley Duvall had a quote, uh, Shelley Duvall who plays the, the, the wife and the mother in the shining had a quote saying like Stanley Kubrick doesn't print. And back when you're doing film, that's, you know, when you print that's when you finally saved a, uh, uh, saved a, a take and that was going to be, you know, the one you would actually use. He didn't print any scenes until the 35th take. Dude. 35 That's psycho it's crazy no, it's, it's insane it's the shining but yeah it's, it's not psycho it's, <laughs> that was alfred hitchcock it's nuts. Uh, but he yeah he is legendary about the kind of shit that he puts his actors through um this one's actually a little uh a one thing he said he said the reason he does it so much is because if the actors don't know their lines then they can't work on their emotion if they're if if they don't have the lines down and it's just second nature then that's what they're thinking about. And he's like, you can see it in their eyes. You can see they're trying to remember their lines and not acting into the emotion, which uh, to be honest, I kind of get, I think he probably goes a little over the top, 
a lot of the time. Uh, one of the things, this is actually kind of funny when I was, when I was reading up on this, cause I want to talk mostly about how he treated Shelly Duvall, but Jack Nicholson, um, you know, he's, he's just completely, the movie is him like gradually unwinding into just an absolute crazy person. What Stanley Kubrick did for him is apparently Jack Nicholson, like loathed cheese sandwiches. <laughs> Like and, and not not even just like like a oh I don't cheese. like him like he was like repulsed by him hated him, <laughs> so Stanley Kubrick uh, would only allow him to eat cheese sandwiches for two weeks. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> just to just to absolutely drive him crazy, <laughs> and I mean if you watch the movie it clearly worked because he acts like an absolute nutbag. I do, I guess I guess I don't know what it is to hate a sandwich that much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's sandwiches I don't like, but I can't imagine one like like I I can't I can't use the word loathing with a sandwich. It just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> well, it's like you think of a uh, like grilled cheese or the bomb. Oh, uh, grilled cheeses are amazing. Yeah. yeah, but I guess I don't know if it's like a heavy, like a big chunk of cheddar and mayonnaise on white bread. Like mayo and mustard kill me. Oh, man. Rather rather die than even <laughs> smell it. So I, I kind of do. Oh, so you kind of do, do kind of get, get it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a movie I want you to be. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so, so that that one's a, a little funny, but the bigger story, and this has come out a whole bunch, is kind of how he treated Shelley Duvall, the wife. Um, he really wanted to get her. You know, she's manic and and scared and 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 that kind of thing for this entire movie, and he just really just rode her hard to to try and and get the performance out of her that he wanted. Uh, he would, you know, he belittle her in front of the crew and he would tell the crew not to be nice to her like don't comfort her don't help her out he, like he wanted to isolate her and now that is why Shelly Duvall is insane now <laughs> right <laughs> she actually she actually just did a new interview like three oh. months ago about about all this mm-hmm. uh, which I was kind of surprised but okay so that brings me to the, the scene that I actually want to talk about and it's kind of their first big confrontation where you know she's worried about their son Danny and she's holding a baseball bat and that's all I'll say we're gonna listen to just a, a quick couple minutes of it pay attention to how manic she is and then how amazing Jack Nicholson is he's and, crazy and he's crazy and then we'll talk a little bit about it after we're done listening to it yeah I want to talk about uh, some camera movements in this too. oh the ca- yeah the camera in it is amazing yeah we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that yeah. too I think we should discuss Danny so right now it's like showing the the, the blood coming out of the the elevators. The very uh, very famous shot Danny's, from from it. Danny, Danny, Danny freaking out. Yeah. Then it goes to like that main hall where uh, Jack Nicholson has been riding for the entire movie. She's not gonna kill anyone with how she's holding. That <laughs> yeah, she's like That's holding the baseball bat like in the middle of it. Down. <laughs> you have some very definite ideas about what should be done with Danny. And I'd like to know what they are. Just like the kind of sarcastic inflection in his voice is terrifying. Maybe he should be taken to a doctor. You think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? When do you think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? Ugh, man. Psycho Hosby. Seriously. As soon as possible. You believe his health might be at stake? Yes. You are concerned about him. Uh, yes. And are you concerned about me? Of course I am. Of course you are. Have you 
ever thought about. My responsibilities. Oh man, how many takes of this? So. Moments thought about my responsibilities. Have you ever thought for a single solitary moment about my responsibilities to my employers? 127 takes. 127 takes. She's actually crying. Yeah. Does it matter to you at all that the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me and that I have signed a letter of agreement? Sometimes you forget about these classic actors and why they're considered some of the best actors to ever live. This is one of those scenes that makes you like, oh, that's why Jack Nicholson is an incredible actor. Why he's considered a legend. Has it ever occurred to you what would happen to my future? If I were to fail, live up to my responsibilities. So, like, like we mentioned, the, the really interesting thing about this is that Stanley Kubrick made them do this 127 times. That's psycho. This, yeah, no, no it's, it's, it's The Shining. The shining. <laughs> 127 <laughs> times. And it's, it's essentially made up of these two, these two uh, Steadicam shots, one on Jack Nicholson, one on her. Which was filmed by the creator oh, of yeah, Steadicam. Oh, yeah, so very, very interesting tidbit about this movie is the... A uh, Steadicam operator on The Shining is also the inventor of the Steadicam, who invented the Steadicam pretty much for The Shining. Uh, it's super, super interesting. And so, like a lot of these shots, you know, some of the other shots, the very famous ones of Danny riding his big wheel through the uh, hallways of the hotel, um, that was also nobody had seen stuff like that before. They flipped the Steadicam over because normally the weights are on the bottom, the cameras on the top. They flipped it over so they could run it kind of along the ground. Like that kind of stuff hadn't been done before. To us now, it looks like okay, you know, kind of cool because any of us can do it with our cell phone. But back then, like that was a big deal. Absolutely, that's Garrett Brown, by the way. Garrett Brown is his name. Yeah, that's right. So, and it was another thing, is, and I'm just going to mention this because I think it's really, really cool. Garrett Brown could have, you know, he 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 created the Steadicam. He could have kept the patent for himself and made a ton of money off of it, but he he gave it all away. He said, anybody that wants to make one of these, he, he's like, I invented the technology. Anyone can make one. That was like, how cool is that? It's cool. Like nobody, you, I feel like you would never catch anybody doing anything like that anymore. No. Like what an awesome thing. What a cool guy. Um, but the, so in, in the context of the performances, the thing about this scene, so like I said, he, Stanley Kubrick was very hard on her. And like I said, would, would tell, tell her in front of the entire crew that, you know, she's wasting everybody's time, that she's doing a terrible job, not letting anybody provide her comfort or anything like that. So, so think about how difficult this would be on you mentally. So you're performing for this, this hard ass director that's treating you like garbage in front of a big crew that's focused on you. Like you're the entire reason that everybody's there at that moment. And the director's telling everyone that you're wasting their time. He wants to get you panicked and he wants you to stay there. And so what do you do? Like, you're like, okay, I'm going to sink heavy, heavy into this scene. And, and the scene is a very like kind of it. I, and this is what I was talking about with domestic abuse is I think it's a very domestic abusey sort of situation. He's very much in a kind of an abusive husband when he's talking to her, you know, she's obviously concerned about something and he brings it back to himself. He's like, what about me? I think he even says like, what about me? Yeah, have you you know? ever thought about my job, thought and, about my job and yeah. my feelings. Like they entrusted this to me, you know, meanwhile, she's holding a baseball bat. So like a hundred 27 times trying to really sink into that role and trying to get in that place and, and having, can you imagine having Jack Nicholson in your face yeah, acting that way? He's making fun of her. You yeah. know, he's, he's, he's uh, making fun of spitting her voice. As he he's talks. spitting as he talks. He's like, Oh, you think we should do something about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's going to like, that's going to take a toll on you, especially when everything, yeah. I mean, that's only 127 takes of one scene out of the rest of the movie. Right. So, you know, there's all still all the being chased around with an act situation. Do you, you know? remember the, do you remember the behind the scenes with the, Oh, right. The before ex. he like, when he's like, yeah, he's like walking, yeah. Jack Nicholson's walking back and forth, Ugh. just like shaking his head around. Like dude was, dude got into a scary place for the movie for sure. For sure. For sure. And so the kind of psychological kind of, 
torment, honestly, that he puts her through is a little rough. And the question I have, you know, like, <laughs> first of all, I'm not, still not entirely sure that she actually gives that great of a performance. <laughs> Like, honestly, I, I think Stephen King said this is The Shining is the one adaptation of his that he truly, truly hates. Of course I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he called her, I think he called her a, a wet dish rag. <laughs> like, Stephen King hated her performance. So, like, you're ragging on her right now, bless her heart. I know, right? But, like, yeah, uh, yeah God bless her, for real. Like, she, she went through so much. Um, but what I'm saying is, was it really worth all that? I don't think so. I don't no. think I could be that kind of director. I don't want to mistreat my cast. I don't care how much I want to get a I would particular bounce like so hard offset. Right. Like I would just seriously pace. like you'd be like, Aaron, I'm not shooting these scenes. Yeah. You're being a dick yeah. to these people. Totally. Like I, I can't be that way. I'm I'm much more of a and who knows, maybe that means I can't I could never make a and this is probably true, could never make a movie as good as uh as good as the shining <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> or believe, any other standing I Which I, I mean that. that's a it is a pretty high bar to clear. But you know what I mean? Like I maybe that would keep me from getting a certain level of performance out of actors, but I just don't think I could treat any of them like shit. I just yeah. don't think I could do that. No, I, and I, I'm not sure that it's worth it. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you. I want to go back to what you were talking about with the steady cam because mm, oh yeah. During this scene, and again we'll link this in the description of the episode that you guys can watch it and reference it but during this scene there is a steady cam move and it's just going back and forth and back and forth and it's they're walking around the hotel lobby that's fully empty and it's like kind of hazy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jack nicholson is walking towards camera yeah and shelly duvall is walking away from yeah she's camera. backing up yeah so, like she's she's clearly being cornered, cornered. Yeah. yeah she's totally getting trapped and penned and then there's a, the spot where they start she starts walking up the stairs mm-hmm. holding the bat and she's walking up backwards the whole time mm-hmm. And then he, it's still that same move, right? And then mm-hmm. once she's on the stairs, it actually goes to an OTS over her shoulder. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to like what point that happens. Because I don't think you see the move into OTS. I think no. just you, the, the cuts back and forth. And it's on this main set of stairs yeah. there. But it's, it's a hard cut in. And the reason I think they do that is at this point, Shelly Duvall is higher than him. Mm-hmm. And then when it cuts to his OTS or his shot where it's pushing away, are pushing towards Shelley Duvall, mm-hmm. she's much higher. So therefore yeah. it's showing a level of dominance, right? Right. But I think the reason they did that, and you're like, why would she have any dominance over him? Because he's crazy. Mm-hmm. She swings the bat and hits him. Yeah, this is this is That's the first time she takes a stand yeah. against him. So it's a buildup, right? Yeah. It's on their own equal playing ground. He's mm-hmm. cornering her with the camera moves. Then they start moving up these stairs, and then all of a sudden she has dominance yep. over him. She's higher, whack. Yep. I mean, it's clearly not over after that. <laughs> yeah, right. because but, he, he yeah. ups the ante with a, an axe. Correct. A baseball bat. Five minutes later, <laughs> 10 minutes later, right? Yeah, right. So, um, but it's just the way that the camera movement is so simple, but mm-hmm. so effective. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just the, for the time, it's crazy. Oh, it was, totally. Yeah, just the, I mean, I would love to see the individual shots. Because, you know, it's just like one long steady cam shot yeah. that winds its way through there. And I don't know what it is about Stanley Kubrick's steady cam stuff. It's just, it's so slow and so buttery smooth. And I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just Jack Nicholson in this cool place, but it's very, like you get very transfixed on it. And it's it, as far as steady cam shots go, it just feels very like solid, very smooth, very rich, you yeah, know? Totally. And, I, and I, I can't, I couldn't exactly explain to you why I feel that way about it, but I just look at it. I'm like, it just, if, it's a good feeling camera movement. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you think it felt that way when you were watching it in theaters or do you think it feels that way now because it's such a nostalgic movie? You know, I, I honestly have no idea. I really yeah. don't know. It's just the shining did terrible when it first came out in theater. Right. People did not like it. Well, it was a little bit over everyone's head. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's still one of the, I mean, I watched it again a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. fully through it. And like, like it's a very unsettling movie. Well, yeah. And then now there's documentaries about mm-hmm. it. Did you watch Dr. Sleep? I did watch Dr. Sleep. Thoughts? And I, I actually, 
and I like the the filmmaker that made it. Um, I cannot remember his name at the moment. Uh, uh, it was um, shiny. Or he's the same guy that did uh, the Hill House. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. That's yeah. it. Yeah, Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. um, which which I did quite like. Um, I think the movie's well made, and from what I've read, it sounds like it was a much better sequel to the shining novel than it was to the shining movie i think that makes more sense because i watched it and i was i mean i get it it's much deeper than just the horror but it's it was it's it's much more stephen kingy and i think that's one honestly i think that's one of the reasons why the shining film is so good is because it's not very stephen kingish Mm because i I like stephen king i've read several of his books but he can get kind of goofy and the goofiness is present in doctor sleep whereas it's not really in in the shining you know these these weird side characters in in doctor sleep yeah i ended up just not I, i didn't really like it that much if i'm being completely honest if you watch like any other stanley kubrick film uh, not like a space odyssey or anything, mm-hmm. but like clockwork orange mm-hmm. dude. Like amazing. It's so psycho though. Full metal jacket. Oh that, yeah. The, the first, uh, oh, what is man. it? 45 minutes or mm-hmm. so of full metal jacket and basic training is just like, it's, it's like, it's like a horror movie. It's like you're like in training. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's the movie. I mean, Arlie Ermey, the guy that played the drill sergeant plays like every drill sergeant in every movie and TV show because it's that iconic. Mm-hmm. He's cause he's that much of a hard ass it's a man full metal jack's a great movie too there's there's a lot we can talk about with that one at some point too absolutely i mean we have a whole list of what we were going to go through but we said we would keep this under 30 oh minutes my gosh. and we're at 50 so well, you know what maybe we should uh cut it off here i mean there's we have plenty of material for we're going to do a couple more of these these uh these episodes well maybe we save those for uh, halloween for actual time. halloween oh yeah. that's a good idea yeah we'll, we'll yeah we'll finish this off at halloween yeah that sounds good i like that So thank you guys so much for listening. That was the anatomy of a scene. We're halfway to Halloween. Those are fun. I'm glad we got to do that. That was a ton of fun. We'd love to hear from you guys also. So, you know, drop us a line, send us an email. If you have maybe an idea of a scene you'd like us to break down, uh, send that, you know, I'd be happy to do that. That'd be, that'd be a ton of fun. Uh, And just in general, we like hearing from our listeners too. So absolutely go ahead and give us a review and a good rating on your listening platform of choice. If you feel so inclined and uh, Mortal Kombat came out today. Uh, we're going to watch one. Mortal Kombat, yeah. Let's go check out Mortal Kombat. I'm into it. All right, see you. All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye.